today we're going to look at the whole of John chapter 14. Now, you know, Chad and I, we, we've just got to kind of take responsibility for this. We, um, we were looking at John and we said, well, look, you know, we've, we've gone very carefully through Luke and Acts. It's taken us, you know, 20 years or whatever it was. And, um, you know, we kind of did it almost verse by verse and we went through section by section and it took us a long time and said, you know, maybe when John's gospel, we can just kind of leap from chapter to chapter and it'll be fine. And then we get to the final few chapters and we're like, I don't know, I mean, can you do a whole chapter? Well, we decided that you couldn't, but for some reason, John chapter 14, it's the whole chapter this week. And honestly, it reminds me of the time. I was, um, I was fortunate to be called uh, for the Christmas period to Saudi Arabia, uh, to Jeddah. Uh, I was just a young pastor, and uh, Sally and I, um, uh, we went with uh, just one baby at the time, uh, Becky, and uh, we went there, and I was gonna be the Christmas chaplain for the embassy, the American and English, uh, British embassies, and so I did the kind of the, the Christmas services and stuff like that, it was great. And then a, a couple of days after that, I was visiting the house churches of uh, the Arab believers in, in hiding in Saudi Arabia. And uh, some of them took me for a little trip. And so we went out into the Red Sea. And they said, you know, you need to wear a t-shirt. The sun's really hot. And you know, so I, I did that. And they gave us some snorkel and mask. And the, they took us out onto the, the coral reef. And the coral reef is about, the water's about two feet deep. And you look down and it's like the Garden of Eden. It's just amazing. It's all these amazing colors of fish and Dory was there. <laughs> Lots of Dories. And uh, you know, they were, they were all kind of wandering around. And um, I don't think Nemo was there, but the, the, you know, the others were there anyway. And they were all kind of swimming around. And as I swam along, I came to the edge of the coral reef. And it was such a shock because it's just a direct drop of, who knows, maybe 200 feet. And in the water, there were just monsters and sharks and giant things. And it was such a shock that I kind of came up and <laughs> and, um, and that's a little bit like getting to John chapter 14. <laughs> because you know, you're kind of swimming around and saying, well, you know, it's awesome, isn't it? Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and it's the Last Supper and isn't this great? And then you get to John 14 and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because here in this chapter is perhaps the deepest, the most complete, the most mysterious, the most transcendent vision of the triune God in the entire Bible. Here in chapter 14, we see Jesus introducing us into the relationship that exists in the Godhead. That there is one God and there are three persons and that in this mystery, there is a union of, of persons that, that is so complete that whenever you encounter one of those persons, you encounter all of them. And as you encounter all of them, you encounter a depth, a meaning, a significance, a truth that is so great, it'll take you eternity to understand or even to begin to understand what it is that you're encountering. So this is what you find 
in John chapter 14. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. With that amazing revelation that frankly you can spend at least this life and probably all of the next life just reflecting on, he uses the simplest and most direct language. Like Marilyn said, for people who are childlike in their faith, they can be introduced to this territory in such a way that allows them, you and I, to cross the threshold into this revelation that means that whoever you are, however limited your understanding or access to the scriptures or a spiritual background you might have or might be, you can enter into this territory also. Because this territory is something that is so vast, so illustrious, so amazing, that as I say, it will take you forever to fully explore it. But Jesus gives us simple language that allows us to enter in. And he says, of course, if you want to enter in, then I'm the way to get in and to understand. And so with that in mind, we're going to um, read as much of the chapter as we can. I'll pause and make some comments and then we'll go from there and see how the Lord leads us towards our response time. John chapter 14 and verse one. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. So already we're in the territory. It's amazing, amazing stuff. And Jesus has made it clear that if you want the interpretation to life, then you need him. If you want the interpretation to the Bible, then you need him. If you want to have an understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God, then you need him. Because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He is the way, the, the hodos. That word to the average person at the time would be very clear that, that all through the Old Testament, 
People lived and functioned in the way of the Lord. And that way of the Lord was was the thing that they, they needed to look for in their life, that they needed to prepare for in their life because God had given them the symbol of that way by parting the waves and giving them an exodus, an exodus, a way out of Egypt into a promised land. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the hodos, I'm the way, I'm the, the, the means by which you can get into what it is that God wants for you. And I am the truth, aletheia. I am the reality that defines all reality. If you come to understand me, you may not be great at physics or pure mathematics, but you will understand life because I am the interpretive key to life. And because I am the interpretive key to life, I am the means by which the life of God will course through your very being. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So where is it that we're going to as we engage with Jesus, follow Jesus, as we, as we come to know him as way, truth, and life? Well, Jesus puts it amazingly simply. He uses family language, and language that even today we can really understand. In this chapter and in the next chapter, he says, my father has a house and a garden. My father has a house and a garden. He is the householder and he is the gardener. Now, when we get to chapter 15, you'll see what it is that Jesus is referring to as the disciples walk with him through the streets of Jerusalem. And we'll begin to understand what it is that the Father is cultivating as the gardener. But in chapter 4, in chapter 14, he's dealing with God the householder. And I wanted to show you what was probably in the minds of the disciples as Jesus revealed this truth to them. For me, it's just birds singing in the trees, so don't worry about the baby crying, okay? What is it like for the disciples as they listen to Jesus? Jesus has addressed them in chapter 13, just a few verses earlier, as his little children. Why would, why would somebody who's pretty much the same age as his disciples probably, describe them as his little children? Well, the tradition of the day, and I think I referred to this last week, the tradition of the day was that if the, if the head of the house, the father, was not available to lead the Passover meal, then the eldest son took the role of the father and addressed the family as if he were the father. And so Jesus, at the head of the table, is addressing his disciples as the children of the household of his father. Little children, he says. And he tells them that he has to go away and they begin to feel heavy and their hearts feel troubled. They begin to ask him, what it is that you're gonna do? Where are you going, Jesus? We, we don't want to be in a world without you. And then Jesus begins to help them understand what it is that he's going to do through the cross and the resurrection, via the great victory of the ascension. Jesus is returning to his father's house, a house with many rooms. 
Now, uh, I've been fortunate to do a whole variety of different things uh, through life, and one of them uh, was to go to the Holy Land on multiple occasions with uh, various different Christian friends. One of the friends that I've been with, and we, we led a group together as we went around the Holy Land, was a man, Bob Ronglian, who has an incredible grasp of the history, of the culture, of the social fabric of Israel at the time of Jesus. He studied archeology span under one of the great archeologists of the region. And um, we will go to various different sites in what he calls the footsteps of Jesus, looking at the, at the variety of different places and talking about the stories that were, that were generated there. One of the places is Chorazin, which is a, a city that Jesus refers to as a place where many miracles took place. And in Chorazin, there are several archeological digs and one of them reveals a house that is very similar to the house that Jesus is describing. You see, when Jesus says, my father has a house with many rooms, it was code for a particular kind of place. A particular kind of place. If somebody says to you, yeah, we've got a, we a three-car garage, you know what it looks like, yeah? I mean, there may be some details that are different, but you know what it looks like. Jesus says, my father has a house with many rooms. And what it looked like was this. This is a house with many rooms at the time of Jesus. And it was either in a C shape or the front was completed. But where the front was not completed, it would have a door. And so we're looking at it from above and here is the house built in this, in this shape on a, on a piece of property that would be square um, in, its, in its shape and design. And in this, in this house, there would be an open area in the middle where people would be able to sit at chairs, maybe at a table. There might be even a, a kind of a tree in here to provide shade and maybe some, some shading provided on the edge of the square. In one such house, Jesus was teaching in Capernaum, you'll remember. And it was so full, everybody had filled the whole building and they'd filled the whole courtyard. No one could get in and there was a man who was paralyzed, who was being carried by friends. You remember the story? And what they did is they, they climbed up the, the steps, which are usually found at the back of the house, and they gained access to the roof. Now, people say they dug through the roof. Well, probably what we mean is that they went and they removed the tiles from the edge of the roof and dug through the mud that was holding up the tiles, the wattle and daub, and then lowered the man to the feet of Jesus right there. So this is a, this is a kind of a familiar environment for the people at the time. There weren't a lot of these places because these were the homes of wealthy individuals. And Jesus says, my father 
is a wealthy individual and he has a house with many rooms. Now, at the time, those rooms would be a room that would be set aside for a small expression of the family. Maybe the family would have 20 or 30 people in it, people who were blood and non-blood relationships. And each of the rooms would be set aside for a nuclear family, a mom and a dad and maybe a couple of kids. And they would live there with their bedding, with their, with their furniture, with their personal effects in each of these rooms. So each room, each room would be for a family, like your family. And it's a fairly good sized room, but it's got, you know, it's got the kind of Ikea furniture that kind of folds away and yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, so it's, it's a multi-use room and it's got multi-use furniture. And then there would be probably on the side of the house over here, uh, a place for cooking that everyone would share. It would have access to the outside area. And this is the picture that's in the minds of the disciples. As Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. And then he says something extraordinary. He says, I am going to get it ready for you. And the word that he uses, the word preparation, is the word that's used by John the Baptist when he's, when he's quoting Isaiah in the Old Testament when he says, prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is going to attend to every detail that's necessary for us to feel as welcome as possible in the Father's house. It's gonna have all your favorite photos. It's gonna have all your favorite little artifacts and knickknacks. It's gonna have your, your favorite colored curtains. He's gonna pick the carpet just for you and the furniture is just ideally suited to you. And Jesus is doing it himself. Isn't that amazing? That the attention and the care and the consideration of Jesus, the potentate of the universe, the cosmic Christ, whose very being fills all things and is the all in all, says Paul. He is going to your place He's gonna put your name on it and he's gonna set it up just for you. And probably just for you and your family, for your immediate, immediate kin. This is the way that the disciples understood what it was that Jesus was saying. So let's, um, let's carry on and let's read a little further into the text because it's kind of getting us now. We're kind of into this, aren't we? We're thinking, okay, so this is where the Trinity live and the Trinity are setting up a place for us to live with them. Which is pretty awesome, isn't it? Verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live on that day. You will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he it is, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything, everything that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus is saying, look, there is a relationship of love that is reflected in the way you live. So the word command here is a word that describes living the life of Jesus. He's saying, if you live my life, if you allow me to be the way, the truth, and the life, if you allow me to define your reality, then you will be a person who is loving me and inviting me and inviting my Father to be present in your life to the extent that the world will now know what God is like because they'll see him in you. And there's an interesting word here. He says, he says, if you get into this love relationship with me, then my Father will love you, I'll love you. I'll send the Spirit to you, not to be with you, but to be in you, and we'll come and make our home with you. Now, the word there, home, is, I mean, it's okay as a translation. It's the word meno. And when it comes up in the next chapter, it's translated as remain or abide. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you live in this particular way, I will come and permanently abide in the very substance of your life. If you can just welcome me to do that. And, and when you welcome me to do that, what you'll be aware of is that you're embraced by the Father's love and by my love. When I was a young pastor and all the kids were young, you know, I'd be out in the day kind of doing the normal stuff and then we'd come back for what we called tea, tea time. And um, it's, some of you may call it high tea. Most people over here just call it supper or dinner. And it'd be about five o'clock, you know, end of the office day, five, 5.30, I'd walk back from the church, I'd come to the vicarage. All the kids would be back from school. Sometimes they'd have brought their friends because maybe over 
supper we were gonna do some stuff that would engage them in the story of Jesus. We might do, um, we might do the special plate where one person gets the special plate because they've had a difficult day. Or it might be an appreciation tea where we would go around the table and just say what we appreciate about each person. And we would invite friends into that and many of my kids' friends became followers of Jesus just because they were invited into that time. But by the time we got to maybe six o'clock and it was the end of the meal time when we cleared up and filled the dishwasher and done the stuff, I was pretty much done. Now, this was when we lived in Sheffield and previously we'd lived just for a few years in Arkansas. And um, I'd been amazed at the furniture that you could buy in America. And I was particularly enamored by this remarkable furniture company called Lazy Boy. <laughs> Lazy, you've probably maybe never heard of it. It's called Lazy Boy. And um, it, it was complicated for me because for me it's Lay Z Boy. And I'm thinking, I don't know what that means. Um, because Z is Z and Z, you know. So uh, we got this chair, and to me, it was like, a foretaste of heaven. Because <laughs> it was just overstuffed. One of the arms had a secret compartment where I could hide the television remote. <laughs> and on the side of the chair, there was a little lever that I assumed, you know, being a follower of James Bond, was a ejection seat, but it wasn't. It was a lever that allowed you to kind of lay out almost flat. And so towards the end of tea time, I'd say, well, I think I'm gonna go and watch the news at six o'clock. And I'd get to the lazy boy, get the remote out, put the television on, BBC News had come on, some posh person reading the news. I'd flip the lever and go immediately to sleep. I have no idea what the news was. In all of those 10 years, I've got no, it was just a complete blank to me. But here's the thing. I never woke up by myself because there was a little person. I don't know how they worked it out. I don't know whether they drew store, straws. I don't know whether they had a little poker game going at the end of the, but whatever it was, there was a different child snuggling in beside me on the lazy boy when I woke up. That's what it means for God to make his home with you. And what it is that Jesus is revealing to us here in the, in the fabric of what he's saying is that this relationship is a relationship that is deep and intimate and we'll go through different kinds of phases as you and I interact in different ways. There is Jesus the King. We encounter him at the beginning when he speaks about his kingdom and how he's anointed as the king. There's Jesus the coach as he disciples his disciples and leads them through Galilee, showing them what it means to be representatives of the king. There's Jesus, the counselor, where he speaks to them, sometimes 
quite challengingly about what it is that they need to be doing. And then towards the end of the story, we see Jesus, the companion. Now, of course, he's saying that this is another who's going to continue that work. Because the word paraclete, where we translate it as counselor here in the text, or, or friend, or, or advocate in other, in other translations, is a, is a word that kind of covers all three of these things. Basically what Jesus is saying is this, I am going away, and you will come to the place that I'm going to, but even as you wait, I'm sending you another like me who will continue doing the things that I do. And so we will have a coach, and we will have a counselor, and we will have a companion in the way. Now let me just create a little sidebar here for those of you who are discipling people, and of course those of you who as parents are continuing to disciple people. Your children. If you took those as roughly each decade in your child's life, you'd probably get it right. They don't need you as a friend to begin with. Parents, parents who are trying to make their kids friends when they're three years old end up with monsters that nobody likes being around. Be the king, be the queen. You set the boundaries, you set the framework, you say what's going on and when they're going to bed. Be the monarch of their life. And then be the mentor when they need coaching. Now, it could be where a home has both parents available different parents are better at different things. I can remember the conversation between me and Sally. The, the girls were just cresting kind of the period in their life when they were gonna start becoming teenagers. They were just entering puberty, all of that. And, and Sally said, ah, you know what? I can do the queen thing. I don't know how to do this other thing. She said, I'm, I think I'm pretty much spent on this. And I said, okay, well, how about I take on the role of coach during the teenage years? And of course, you're gonna be doing all the stuff that you normally do, which is awesome, but maybe that, that'll help more. Interestingly, when Sam, our youngest, was 18 and I was just taking him to the airport on his way for his year out, I said to him, you do know that, I'm not very good at spelling, so that may be wrong spelling. Um, has I got two L's or one L? One, I thought, you see, I, could, I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I bet there are spellers in the audience. Um, I said to him, you know what, Sam, you're 18. You're gonna have to differentiate yourself from me. I've done the best I can. I've made massive mistakes, but you know, for good or ill, I've done the best I can as your, as your king and your, and your coach. Now, if you need some counsel, I'm here. You may need other people's counsel. Yesterday, Sam called me. He's 
30-something now, I don't know, some middle 30s. And um, we just hanging out as friends. He told me some stuff, I told him some stuff, and it, we were just, compa- just companions in the way. This is the way that Jesus shapes the life of his disciples. This is the way that Jesus continues to shape the life of his disciples. And he does it by his spirit. His spirit, Jesus says, who is with you, who will be in you. We're part of the family of God. We have a place in the Father's house. Jesus has prepared it for us. It's perfect. And whilst we await the day of our welcome and arrival, Jesus has made sure that his death and resurrection and ascension has made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us his kingship, to reveal to us his capacity to coach us through the challenges of life, to counsel us through the decisions and difficulties of of our experience. He sent the Holy Spirit to be our companion and guide. Don't you love Jesus? I do, and one other person in the congregation does, (laughs) which is awesome. Don't you love Jesus? I love him, he's awesome. So as we complete our time today, here's the thing. Here's the thing, the New Testament says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is present within us. But, <clears throat> but sometimes, what it feels like is that although he's present, we're not overflowing with the sense of him, our coach. We're not overflowing with the sense that we have all the counsel we need. We, we, we're not overflowing with the sense of the companionship of God. Do you need the companionship of God today? Well, you need to have the Spirit fill you. Do you need some, do you need some coaching and some, some things that you're going through? Well, you need the Spirit to fill you. Do you need some counsel about what to do and where to go? Well, you need the Spirit to fill you. And my encouragement to you is this. Don't resist the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. The New Testament says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Be filled with him. So, it's not a weird thing. It's not a crazy or kind of wacko thing. It's just a normal thing. It's just a Christian thing. It's like having breakfast. What we're going to do now is we're going to complete our time. We're going to have our final song. And as we have our final song, where you need the Spirit to fill you, I'm going to encourage you to come. Have the prayer team pray for you. They'll recruit members of the congregation to pray with you. Be filled so that you're filled with the one who can coach and counsel and be your companion in the way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Amen.